are going to start this episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast out with a public service announcement. Call your loved ones, your best friends, your family members. Hit them up, whether it's a phone call, a text message, a Twitter, an emoji, anything. We are in a crazy time right now. 2020, 2021 has not been kind, been real rough on everybody. People are dying. People have lost their jobs. Things are closed. Can't go to a restaurant or a bar like normal. High school kids can't perform athletics. Can't be on teams. Can't do anything that we have been accustomed to forever. High school kids can't go to homecoming and prom and all these things that are normal for us. So we have to be there for each other. We have to reach out. Give a call, a text. If you see them in person, I know we're not supposed to. Give them a hug. You know, our mental health is important too. It's kind of sad. I've seen memes where they're saying mental health is killing just as many people as this virus, as this COVID-19 pandemic. And that's sad. We got to be there for each other. We're all we got, really. The outside world, government, you know, we've seen signs of this forever. Not maybe there for us. But as a people, we have to be there for each other. So reach out, talk to them, make them smile, do anything that you can to make sure that person knows that they're important, that they belong here, and just need to ride out the storm with the rest of us, and that we're riding it out together on the same ship, virtually, figuratively, holding each other's hands and letting each other know that it'll be all right. We don't do that. We're going to lose more people. We're going to lose ourselves. And that's not the way we want to go out. At least not the way I want to go out. So let's be there for each other because we are all we have. Seriously. That's it. Edge of Your Seat Podcast will always be here. Another show today. We got episode 152 with Kip Cheek. He has been with the Mendota Reporter since May of 1984. Covering sports. Now he's a publisher, an editor. He's done all you can do with sports at the Mendota Reporter, and he's been there a long time. If you were an athlete, not even from just Mendota, but from other schools, you have seen Kip or you know who Kip is. He is an icon when it comes to sports writing in the Illinois Valley. Icon, legend, however you want to put it, that is Kip Cheek. He's going to be modest about it. He is very modest and doesn't want to give himself the credit that he deserves. But we can do that at Edge of Your Seat Podcast and say how awesome Kip is. As a sports writer, he was somebody I looked up to, along with Kevin Hieronymus, who we speak a lot about, sports editor for the Borough County Republican in Princeton. They grew up together. Kip Cheek and Kevin Hieronymus grew up in Atlanta, Illinois, went to college together at ISU in Bloomington, were roommates, and then find jobs about 30 minutes away from each other in Mendota and Princeton in the 1980s, and have been there ever since. Kip tells a story, it's amazing, a lot of fun, and he breaks down some sports memories that only he could do. So, a lot of fun catching up with Kip, because we can't be on the sidelines talking to each other anymore. At least not right now. I've seen him almost every Mendota game I went to, and it's always fun to speak with Kip. So I had to have him on, right? Had to, had to. Let's get to the plugs real quick. Don't know where you're listening to this one, but you can also catch us on... Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and the Edge of Your Seat Podcast website, which is www.rss.com backslash podcast with an S, 
backslash edge of your seat podcast. Social media, hit us up on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Edge of Your Seat P on Twitter. Have any questions, suggestions, want to be a guest, know somebody that would be a good guest, want to advertise with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, have a story you want to share, anything. Send an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. And also a huge shout out to Brian Cavelli, the creator, the mastermind behind the intro and outro beat for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. The first segment of today's show is going to be the NFL Divisional Round. Watched both games last night. They were amazing. And we got two more today. And the NFL Divisional Round segment is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. The first game of the weekend, Packers, in my eyes, annihilated the Rams 32-18. I know it looked close, but the Packers were never in despair. Never looked like they didn't have the game. They led first and kept the lead, and the Rams just looked out of sorts. After the game, Aaron Donald, the monster defensive end, shed some tears. He was mad, I guess more upset than mad that the season was over, and shed some tears. He had every right to. The Packers worked him. Green Bay made Los Angeles look like they didn't deserve to be in the Elite Eight. Like you did not deserve to be one of the final eight teams in the postseason because they destroyed them. And a lot of it has to do with who is probably going to be the MVP least offensive MVP in the NFC, and that is, of course, Aaron Rodgers. The veteran quarterback, 37 years old, goes 23 of 36, 296 yards, two touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Running back Aaron Jones went off, 14 carries for 99 yards and had a touchdown. Rodgers' two touchdowns went to Devontae Adams, who had nine receptions for 66 yards and a touchdown. Alan Lazard, the Lizard King, had four receptions, 94 yards, and a touchdown. Also on Twitter, I saw that Devontae Adams told the Rams' really, really amazing defensive back, Jalen Ramsey, I'm not some of the dudes you've covered. Like, I'm not them. I'm better. Now watch this. And as always, Green Bay's offense proves Devontae Adams to be right. Devontae Adams is a freak athlete, can catch the ball really amazingly, I hate the Packers more than any sports franchise in the atmosphere, the global stratosphere of everything. I despise the Packers. But Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer, first ballot. Devontae Adams, probably a top three wide receiver in the league right now. It's sad for me to say that, but it's true. Also, I heard Lil Wayne's Green Bay Packers song. I'm a monster Lil Wayne fan. He is my GOAT. One of my favorites ever. But to have him do a song about the Green Bay Packers upset me. Not going to say I'm not going to listen to his music anymore. (sighs) But I shed a tear like Aaron Donald did. For the Rams, quarterback Jared Goff had a solid day, conversion-wise. 21-27, but only had 174 yards and one touchdown. The touchdown going to Van Jefferson, who finished with six receptions and 46 yards. Running back Cam Akers had 18 carries, 90 yards, one touchdown. Going back to Aaron Donald, who is a monster this season. 49 total tackles, 30 solo, 13.5 sacks, which is tied for second in the league. 
only had one tackle against the Packers. The Packers knew who they had to contain and did exactly that. I was looking forward more to Game 2. The Buffalo Bills had not been in an AFC title game since 1993. They lost to the Dallas Cowboys. I remember that game very, very vividly. I was a Cowboys fan back in the day when I was young and didn't realize that Chicago Bears were going to steal my heart and be my favorite team for the rest of my life. But this is a long, long time coming for the Buffalo Bills, and I really wanted to see them do this. And they did. They beat the Baltimore Ravens 17-13 in the AFC Divisional Round to get to an AFC title game. Woo! Good for them. Man, I love the turnaround stories. The bad teams that become good, that have something to play for. Not that I hate the Ravens, but I much would rather see the Bills go against the Chiefs or the Browns than the Ravens. Sorry to say that, but that's how it is. I'm glad the Bills beat the Ravens. And it was a ground-and-pound football game, sort of say. But they didn't ground. They threw for most of the time, although the wind was nasty. They kept showing the flag, the Buffalo Bill flag, because they were in Buffalo, New York. And how it was moving, it was flying. Like, that wind was insane, out of control. They kept playing. But they didn't run the Bills or the Ravens because the defenses are stacked and stopped the run. So it was ground and pound, but they didn't really ground and pound, if that makes any sense. Close game, brutal game, but not a lot of rushing attempts. And another thing about that wind, and I'm going to say it's the wind, because Justin Tucker and Tyler Bass, from what I know, are good kickers. Justin Tucker's a Hall of Famer, or going to be a Hall of Famer. They both missed two field goals. Tucker for the Ravens went one of three and hit the uprights twice. He did score the only Ravens points, so you can't be too mad at him. But he hit the uprights twice. He Cody Parkied the AFC Divisional Round game. That is an adjective now. Cody Parkied. The Bills' Tyler Bass went 1 of 3 also. So the two kickers went 2 of 6 in this game. That is atrocious. Atrocious. Very atrocious. But the Bills' defense was the story of this game. Safety, Micah Hard. Linebacker, Matt Milano. Oh my gosh. They were shutting people down. Mark Andrews, the tight end for the Ravens, is a great receiver. Had him on my fantasy football team. I think I had him on two of them, actually. Monster. Really good. Number one option for Lamar Jackson. Like, that's the guy he wants to get the ball to. Matt Milano shut him down. Time and time and time again. Put his hands up. He was covering him well. He fronted him well. He did everything that he needed to do to make sure Mark Andrews wasn't an impact player. And he really wasn't. Lamar Jackson, who I just mentioned, ended up leaving the end of the third quarter. Got hit in the end zone on what could have been a safety call. It wasn't. Didn't get ruled that way. But they were down in their own end zone. He got hit. And he had to go into the back for concussion protocol. Never returned. So as soon as that happened, it's the end of the third quarter. I kind of knew the game was over, and I think everybody else did. I read a couple Twitter comments like, yep, that's it. Good job, Bills. For the Bills, Josh Allen, who is becoming one of my favorite quarterbacks and one of my favorite players to watch, went 23 of 37, 206 yards, one touchdown. He is a real deal. The guy was making plays on his toes, thinking real quick. He fell, got up, twisted around, goes aside. Finds a wide receiver, I think it was Josh Brown, kind of like diving 
throws it just to where he can get it. Just crazy, amazing plays that you want your quarterback to be able to make. I say that as a Bears fan who has to watch Mitchell Trubisky every week. But Josh Allen is the real deal. And, man, just made some crazy, amazing plays against Baltimore. I was talking about the rushing attempts, the throwing attempts. The Bills only rushed 16 times. Josh Allen threw the ball 15 times before there was a run, and it was Josh Allen running because he had to get away from the Ravens' rush. He was still trying to throw the ball, but had to run because there was nowhere else to go. I think he picked up four yards. That was the first attempt. Stephon Diggs, huge for the Bills as always. Allen hit him eight times for 106 yards and a touchdown. The other touchdown for the Bills, defensive back, Taron Johnson, interception, 101 yards, ties the NFL record for the longest interception return in a postseason game. 101 yards for Taron Johnson, really, really impressive. Lamar Jackson, who I mentioned, and hopefully he's okay. Concussions are never fun. Had a couple in my day. 14 to 24, 162 yards, did not throw a touchdown, and had the interception to Taron Johnson which was a crazy play. As soon as that happened, I was texting a friend, interception, pick six, game over. And it was. There was no chance after that. Sunday's games, today's games. By the way, it is January 17th, a Sunday. Hopefully you're having a good weekend. Some I know do not have to go to work on Monday because of Martin Luther King Day. Rest in peace to a legend who helped shape our country and who hopefully is looking down and continuing to help shape our country as well. Enjoy your Martin Luther King Jr. Day and celebrate the way you should. And that's with all due respect. Sunday's games. We got the 11-5 Browns at the Kansas City Chiefs who are 14-2. I picked the Chiefs to win. But man, if the Browns win that game and set up Browns and Bills in a AFC title game, the Browns have not reached a divisional round game since 1994. The Bills have not been in an AFC title game since 1993. Some old school droughts being erased right now. So it would be really cool to see Browns and Bills. I would love to see that game. But the Chiefs, man, so loaded. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL to me. I know Aaron Rodgers is probably going to win the MVP. But Patrick Mahomes is amazing. And if you were down by a touchdown or less than that, with two minutes left and he's got the ball in his hands, it's game over. Chiefs are going to win. So I'm going to go Chiefs. The other game, 11-5 Buccaneers at the 12-4 Saints. Two of those five losses for the Bucs are from the Saints. This is a quarterback dream matchup. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, both of them kind of in the twilight of their career. Still playing really well. Let's not get it wrong. It's not like they're old and deformed and can't play they're just out there no they're both still really good but it is getting to that point they're like 43 Tom Brady's 43 Drew Brees is 42 they're up there you don't really play that long usually in the NFL actually any professional sport so this could be the last hoorah for either one of these guys who knows they haven't come out and said we're retiring yet but either one of them could after this season and the storylines of course Drew Brees Went to New Orleans, won a Super Bowl there, and reshaped that city after Hurricane Katrina. Wiped it out. It was miserable. He is one of those figures that like, hey, he was a saving grace to our city. 
Tom Brady comes to the Bucks after a long career with New England Patriots. And he's there one year. Brings him back to the playoffs for the first time since like the early 2000s. And has them in a role as a legit Super Bowl contender. One year in, let's get him some receivers. Already had Mike Evans and a couple other tools. Chris Godwin. Let's add Antonio Brown. And all of a sudden, you got this dynamic juggernaut of an offense. Two great storylines. Want to see which one goes further. I am more of a Drew Brees guy. I do think Tom Brady is probably the best quarterback ever. But as a personality point of view and a gamer point of view, I've always been Drew Brees. So I kind of want to see the Saints win and battle the Green Bay Packers. Again, they did play earlier in the season. Green Bay won. Maybe Saints need some revenge in the NFC Championship game. I am all down for that, of course. The NFL Divisional Round Playoff segment was brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. After a bad 2020 in every sense of the term, Mendota Shimmer Ford wants to help usher in the new year, 2021, with style, comfort, and great deals. Stop by and see the 2021 Ford Bronco Sport and the 2021 Ford F-150, which are both in stock. These are just a few of the options at Shimmer Mendota Ford as it has a huge selection of new and used vehicles on the lot and even more on the website, www.mendotaford.com. Whether you shop online or at Shimmer Mendota Ford, located just south of Mendota on Highway 251, manager Ski Hartman and his associates, Tony Milas, Jason Hintz, and Doug Safranek will use their experience and understanding of the vehicle you're looking for to help you roll through 2021 just the way you want. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries at Shimmer Mendota Ford. Yesterday was a huge college basketball day. Unfortunately for Illinois, was not a good one. The 9-5 Fighting Illini, who were ranked 14 in the country, lost to Big Ten Conference foe Ohio State was now 11-3, 21st in the country. <sighs> Fighting Illini lost 87-81. It was 83-81 with like 15 seconds left, I believe. Like 15 and a half. Adam Miller hits a three. It's only a two-point game. Then Ohio State gets fouled after what looked like guy stepped out of bounds. They don't call it. He gets fouled, knocks down free throws, and it happens again. And Illinois lost. It was a brutal game. I mean, I thought they were going to start throwing blows for a second. Throw on the boxing gloves and just go at it. I did miss some of the game because I was at work. I got off work and turned it on as soon as I could. For Illinois, they had three guys in double-digit scoring. Of course, Junior A.O. Desumu, who is the leader for fighting Illini. 22 points, 5 assists. Kofi Cockburn, the big dude down low, who I love. I like his game a lot. 15 points, 11 rebounds. And, of course, Miller... 14 points, 7 rebounds. He did knock down three threes. For Ohio State, EJ Liddell, 26 points, 7 rebounds. He was kind of the deciding factor and kept Ohio State in the game. Illinois started off really well. I mean, they were going toe-to-toe with some big-time teams and getting victories here and, you know, a couple losses along the way. But now they've lost two back-to-back. Not looking like a real formidable team in terms of Final Four, Elite Eight, because that's where everybody predicted them to be. It is early. 
We got a lot of games left. It is a conference opponent, and the Big Ten is stacked, as always. And every game is going to be a buzzsaw. It really doesn't matter now what is going on in terms of win-losses. What really matters is getting the mindset right, the mindset steady to be able to play the game you want to play come tournament time. Because that's what really matters. Get into the tournament and play your best basketball. Hopefully they're building up to that because it really hasn't looked like it as of late. But, again, it's early. They can turn stuff around. They have talent all over the court. Coaches have been coaching well. Things are okay as long as you improve moving forward. So let's get some W's after this to make sure we are all on the same page. We're not all basketball players, but we all should be taking care of ourselves. Because let's face it, it's not easy to get in shape. It's not easy to stay physically fit either. There are factors working against all of us, including time and work schedules, lack of a support system, motivation may be low, don't want to be judged or criticized if not supporting a gym rat body, injuries or physical restrictions. However, there is a place where these no's or maybes become yeses. LP CrossFit. LP CrossFit located at the Prue Mall across from Secret Nails offers a weekly schedule of classes for any level of fitness. It's not one time, not just one day a week. There are many options and classes only last one hour. Support group LP CrossFit is a diverse community focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. Motivation? The trainers at LP CrossFit help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life with workouts of numerous movements including bodyweight, gymnastic, and barbell. Everyone is guided and pushed at a productive and comfortable level. If you're an experienced athlete or getting your first taste of physical fitness, everyone is welcomed and viewed as equals. You would go at your own pace. You want to go hard? You're welcomed with, hello, how are you? Go get at it. You want a more relaxed approach? It's the same. Hello, how are you? Go get at it. Injuries and mobility restrictions are a huge priority at LP CrossFit as all small group classes are coach-led and movements are infinitely scalable for all members. LP CrossFit opens all doors for everyone. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook or at lpcrossfit.com. Let's do a little quick sports rundown of things that I want to discuss before we get into the conversation with Kip Cheek. Great convo, lots of cool things discussed between Kip and I. Have to talk about LaMelo Ball. Gets drafted third in the NBA draft by the Charlotte Hornets. Obviously, people circle around him because of his name. He's a ball. The whole family is basketball-oriented. Lonzo Ball is playing with the New Orleans Pelicans. And his dad, LaVar, has been in news headlines and Twitter discussions and memes because of his mouth for at least the last five or six years. Always running his mouth. So his sons kind of got famous because of that. But Lonzo, not a bad ball player. LaMelo, probably even better. Since he has been in the league, he has been tearing it up. January 9th, youngest player ever to record a triple-double. 22 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists against the Atlanta Hawks. Then, Thursday, just a few days ago, against the Raptors, comes off the bench, 14 points, 11 assists, 6 rebounds. This gives him 7 straight games of 5 assists and 5 rebounds coming off the bench. This is the longest stretch by reserve 
Since the NBA started recording who is starting games, which was the 1970-71 season, according to NBAstatistics.com. So since 1970-71, no player has come off the bench and had seven games in a row with five assists and five rebounds. That's crazy. The kid is getting it in, and I'm definitely going to have to tune into some more Charlotte games so I can check them out because I want to watch this. It's exciting. It's fun. And he is doing it how he wants to do it, not worrying about his brother and his dad, which I kind of like even more. LaMelo Ball is my favorite ball. I don't know if it's that hard to have a favorite ball, but he is it. Also, basketball triple-double talk. James Harden, first player in NBA history to debut with a team with a 30-point triple-double. After being traded from the Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets, plays Orlando Magic on the 16th. That was just yesterday. Today being Sunday, 16th being Saturday. In 40 minutes, 32 points, 12 rebounds, 14 assists, showing that he belongs already. I'm interested to see how this is going to work with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden all being ball-dominant guys, all having weird, eccentric personalities. It's going to be fun, a reality TV show-ish kind of deal. But James Harden is a baller. He's going to score a lot, and he's going to do James Harden things. And he starts with creating history. Who would have thought? Quick note on this. I really didn't dive into research or anything like this. But Adam Schmidt, a figure skater, was given $1.45 million from U.S. figure skating in a plea agreement because of numerous sexual assaults. The numerous sexual assaults in the story I read on ESPN are in quotations. If you're going to give somebody $1.45 million without going to a jury or without going to trial or without having a judge, that means something fishy went on here. The storylines that are coming out of gymnastics, figure skating, all the Olympic little sports. I call them little sports because in Americans' eyes, the big sports are football, basketball, baseball. Not gymnastics, not figure skating, not curling. The amount of sexual assaults Sexual anything is ridiculous. Man, I, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. But that's absurd to hear that those things are going on in Olympic sports. When you're growing up, you're like, hey, it's Olympics. I want to be an Olympic athlete. I mean, if you can be. Or I want to watch them because these athletes are fantastic. Well, these stories right here are dirtying that and making it not that cool. Who wants to become an Olympic athlete if they have to do things they don't want to do to get there? And I'm going to put it very nicely like that, kind of beat around the bush. But we know what I'm trying to say. That is nuts, insane, and the people that are doing these awful, atrocious acts should be put in prison immediately. What also should be happening immediately is home renovations. Yes, it is cold. It's January. There's snow. There's wind. There's ice. But there's still time. There's still that need to fix things that need to be fixed in your home. You want it to be comfortable and cozy and the place that you enjoy spending the most of your time at. Well, Olsen Construction works hard to help its customers do exactly that. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olsen will use their more than 10 years of experience to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. The licensed and insured family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Whether it be roofing, siding, windows, doors, stairs, deck designs, 
floors and tiling, garage additions, room additions, or full remodels. It may be hard to do some of that outside, but the indoor activities, the stairs, the tiling, can definitely happen right now. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. Well, that is the end of the intro. There's some football games to watch, so we can talk about them later. There will be a show coming out in less than 24 hours with my boy, rapper from Dwight, named TikTok, part of Prelude to a Million, a rap group that I knew all about when I was in college at SIU. They are still putting out music, which is amazing, awesome, and I was more than happy to have TikTok on the show to discuss everything that he's doing and the group is doing in general. That will be later today or really, really, really early in the morning. Enjoy the football games. Enjoy your weekend. Reach out to the people you care about because they need you. They need you more than ever. And you probably need them. So reaching out and having them in your life in a more direct manner than usual would mean a lot to both of you. Until next time. Peace. few episodes ago, we had Kevin Hieronymus on talking about him being inducted into the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Fame. And as soon as I said that he was on and we talked and put it on social media, the name Kip Cheek popped up everywhere from all kinds of different people. And I'm like, you know what? If he's getting this much attention and not even being on the podcast, we have to have him on. So joining me right now, Kip Cheek, how are you? I'm fine, Brandon. Thanks for the opportunity to talk with you. Yeah, always enjoyed being with you on sidelines, and we did a lot of photo media days at Mendota High School together, taking photos of kids and, you know, sharing information and stuff, so had to have you on, and then, like I said, talking about Kevin Aronimus getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Seems like everybody was reaching out for you to be in that ballad, too. Well, I don't know about that. Kevin has definitely earned his trip to the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's been doing this for uh, over 30 years at the BCR, and he wins awards for his writing, and he's uh, very good at what he does, and and definitely um, was an uh, honor, I'm sure, for him, and and well-deserved. For the listeners who did not hear the conversation with Kevin Aronimus, you guys grew up together, right, in Atlanta, Illinois? We grew up in Atlanta, Illinois from uh, first grade. I believe he moved to Atlanta in uh, first grade, and we grew up together uh, all through grade school and high school, and then we uh, went to college together at Illinois State University. I came to Mendota in 1984, and he came up to Princeton. Ironically, 30 miles away in 1986, so uh, we've been pretty close to each other for uh, most of our life. Have you guys grown up and grown into the grumpy old men from the movies? Oh, sure, yeah. We're very grumpy. Uh, we're a little bit more mellow as we've aged, but uh, I'd say we, maybe we, were, we might have been a little bit more combative when we were a little younger, but now we're just kind of, you know, uh, like you, you put it, grumpy, grumpy old men and, and tired grumpy old men of being on the... Uh, trail of sports all these years uh, kind of is a little weary 
With him being in Princeton and you being in Mendota, were you guys able to cross paths many, many times in the school year? Oh, yeah. You know, one of the good things about that is if, say, Princeton comes over to Mendota for a basketball game or a volleyball game and he's got an, another thing to cover, you know, outside of that, then we're very uh, willing to help each other out, you know, as far as I take pictures from him and send them over to him and then vice versa, he'd do the same for me. So there were our occasions that we do uh, cross paths too, and, you know, always good to see him, you know, like I said known each other since we were five years old and, uh, you know, uh, been friends ever since. As a writer and having a friend as a writer and different papers, was it also kind of good for, you know, a competitive edge? You know, if you guys were both at a game, did you want to write better than him? No, no, not at all. Being a weekly paper here, I don't even consider, like, I don't consider Princeton paper or the LaSalle Tribune as being my competitor. I mean, you know, I can't compete with the LaSalle Tribune because they come out five days a week or six days a week or whatever, and I came out, I come out one day a week. So I don't look at the being competitive at all. It, it might be a little bit more competitive now that, that you have the Internet. You know, you can post stories or whatever instantaneously. I've never looked at anything as being competitive, especially, you know, living in a small town like this. I, I just don't think that's uh, correct to view things that way. I just go about my job and, you know, do the best I can. Definitely, definitely. Said you got to Mendota in 1984. Did you start at the Mendota Reporter right then? Is that why you came here? Yeah, I did. Well, I graduated from Illinois State in 1983, went immediately into the job uh, search, and I was having trouble finding a, a job. The field I majored in is mass communication, print journalism, and I actually moved to, to Arizona and lived in Arizona for about uh, six months with my cousin. And my mom was a worked at a newspaper in Lincoln, Illinois. She wasn't in uh, the editorial side of it; she was in the business office side of it. But she uh, found help um, wanted ad in the, in the magazine. It's a national may, magazine called Editor and Publisher. Uh, which is still published today, I believe, and uh, about a sports writer opening in Mendota. So she, you know, she wanted her baby back in, in Illinois, close to her. So I uh, came back uh, from Arizona and interviewed for the job. And Stan White was the owner of the paper back then, and he hired me and uh, as a sports editor. And just kind of moved up through the ranks over the years, uh, from sports editor to editor, and, and now publisher slash sports editor. Moved up the ranks. And, you know, people were wondering, you know, why are you still in Mendota? Well, Mendota's four times bigger than the town I grew up in, so I consider this a big city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is kind of a different look at it. I can see it, though. I'm going to have to age you here, though, Kit. So I am 35 years old, born in 1985, so I'll be 36 this year. So you've been there at some point this year for 37 years? Yes, it'll be 37 years in May. The first week in May, I came in 1984, so I don't know what town you were born in. I know they were still delivering babies in Mendota back then. Uh, so if you were born in Mendota, I was probably right here in Mendota when you were born. I'm not sure what city you were born in, though. I was born in Janesville, Wisconsin. I did not come to Mendota till I was 12 or 13. Okay, well, Janesville's not far, so, yeah, so I was here before you were born, Brandon, so that makes me feel good. 
<laughs> well, that's got to make you feel good, too. That means you've been doing a good job and people have been reading and buying the Mendota Reporter for a very long time. Yeah, we, I mean, small-town newspapers still have their appeal. Uh, you know, you see some big city newspapers uh, struggle, but uh, small-town newspapers still offer something that, uh, you know, small-town communities like to read, and uh, you know, we've been able to do that, uh, I think, since 1878, I believe, uh, the, the Dota Reporter has been around. So, yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere. Which is really surprising. I mean, I went to high school here, and I came from Rockford, DeKalb, you know, kind of way bigger places. And I get here and I'm like, okay, there's no life. There's nothing to do here. How does it work? But as older I get, and I went to college at SIU in Carbondale, I come back and been in this area, LaSalle, Oglesby, and it's just like, I guess the older you get, you kind of understand how it works and the community vibe and why places like the Mendota Reporter can stay around. Yes. Like I said, the Mendota Reporter offers, you know, news information that, you know, not many other papers, you know, bigger than it do. I mean, they have concentrate more on, you know, national, or they don't concentrate more on, but they have a national news that they have to cover also, whereas, you know, Mendota, it's, Mendota offers, uh, you know, the small town charm and, and the, you know, what's going on at the schools and, um, you know, what's going on at the library and, you know, things that maybe a little bit bigger papers wouldn't report on. And, you know, people like to read that. In Mendota, has the reporter ever had any competition? Was there any other local papers around here? I think we talked about this earlier off mic here that, uh, at one time, Mendota actually, uh, believe it or not, had two newspapers. Um, I can't give you the exact date. I know it was in the late 1800s, early 1900s, that there was the Mendota Reporter and then the Mendota Sun Bulletin. Hard to believe. I'm sure the city was even smaller than it is now. So it's kind of hard to believe that a town this size would have two newspapers. But it did. And I think I told you, I, I'm not sure if... You know, the Sun Bulletin merged into the Mendota Reporter, or the Sun Bulletin just decided to go away. You know, we're down, obviously, to this the Mendota Reporter, and I, we don't need two newspapers in a town this size these days. Yeah, and that's what was going to be my next question. I mean, maybe it was just a sign of the times, because if you had two newspapers or more than that here, that would kind of be useless almost. Have you seen the changes? I mean, being at the Mendota Reporter since 1984, the changes of the industry? Oh, the industry is, the technology is, is, is so incredible over that span. Um, when I first came here in 1984, we were typing stories on typewriters, and then we would give that story to our typesetter, who would uh, type it on a, a machine that would output that copy galleys and then you would physically paste those on a page we moved into more kind of a word processing computer probably in the mid 80s uh, mid to late 80s and then in the early 90s we started with the pagination which is actually laying out uh, the pages on your computer Whereas today, we still lay those pages out on the computer, but we're able to electronically send those pages right to the press room, and the plates come out of a machine, and they're ready to go up on the press as, as soon as the, you know, the press man um, gets those off of the, the plate maker. So, yeah, the technology is 
just you know, just like in anything else, it's just exploded. And and then you know, you have your digital cameras. You know, when I first came here, we used film. You know, you take a picture, you couldn't see it on your camera. You just hope that you got a good shot at a football game or a basketball game, but you didn't know until you went back to the office the next day and you developed your film. And that was time consuming. Whereas today, um, you know, you have your digital camera, you have a little card in your camera, you can plug it right into your computer and presto, there's the, there's the picture. So the job has definitely been made easier through technology over the 30, almost 37 years that I've been here. Definitely, definitely. I've seen a lot of changes even in my, I guess we'll call it brief compared to, to your career here. But with social media and the way everything is instant, like very instant, where before, you know, especially with you, Mendota Reporter, a weekly paper, now you can put up things instantly on a website and that has definitely changed the way things go. Yeah, when you talked about social media, I, I am not a social media person. Um, I know that, uh, you know, there's Kevin Haramas, for instance, that he'll post on a Twitter account what the, end of, what the score is at the end of the first quarter of the game, or, you know, just keeps in progress. I don't know. I just have never gotten into the social media. I'm not a Facebook person. I'm not a Twitter person. You know, I suppose that would, you know, help uh, as far as conveying the information to the public, but I, I that's something that I haven't gotten into yet, and I don't know that I will. <laughs> Which seems weird to hear because almost everybody is. So, kind of old school, but I understand why. Well, the taping this, uh, I see that President Trump is no longer a uh, social media person because Twitter is permanently banned from its, its uh, platform. Donald Trump is officially banned from Twitter. Donald Trump has been, is banned from Twitter for life. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I wonder if he's the first lifetime ban. He could be. I don't know. I'm sure he's the first president to be banned. <laughs> yeah, he has to be. <laughs> wow, that's insane. Yeah. Just because we're, you know, talking politics right now, what is your take on the craziness that happened on Wednesday at the Capitol building? You know, it's, so, it's a scene you see in another country. I mean, you don't see that here. And, it, you know, obviously it was appalling and... Hopefully, I know they've started arresting some people that, uh, you know, got into the Capitol building and, um, you know, they're going to probably face some serious charges. But it was definitely a surreal looking thing to be coming from the country that we live in. I hope the new administration can uh, tamper down, you know, the uh, people who uh, are inciting these uh, uprisings and we can maybe get back to a sense of normalcy. Yeah, I don't know if that happens while we're still in this pandemic. Normalcy seems like it's a million years away. We're going through a lot these days. There's no doubt about it. And it's not just, you know, individuals. It's everyone. And, uh, you know, we have to get through this. Um, hopefully uh, the vaccine will be taken by enough people that uh, we can, you know, get rid of this awful virus and we can start leading uh, a normal life again. I would really like that. I would like to not have to wear a mask in public and I would like to regularly be at basketball, football, baseball, track events, all of the above. We have both been doing that most of our lives and it seems like I'm not living without those. It's been a rough year. I mean, 
if I was a high school, uh, you know, athlete, I feel very sorry for them because they're not, you know, being able to live out their uh, youth and joy everything that there is that comes with high school sports. And then, of course, like you just said, yourself and, I, and, and me that are being able to cover these sports at the moment. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day, that February 15th is the date that is uh, set for the beginning of football, uh, volleyball, and boys soccer. And if you look on the calendar, that's only about five weeks away. And the, you know, the situation that we're still in, I'm not sure that we're going to see those sports uh, happening either. I know the IHSA has a meeting next Wednesday that they're going to, um, you know, look into it a little bit further. But uh, right now, it doesn't even look good for those sports to begin. Yeah, I try to be very optimistic, and I'm looking at this like, hey, we got to you know, turn around the corner, like things are hopefully dying down, we can get back to, like you have said, normalcy, that means sports, but the way things are going, I, it's really hard to continue to be optimistic, that's for sure. You know, I, I don't see a basketball season starting or even being able to be played at a minimum, uh, because like I said, we're running in too close to these other sports that they've set to begin February 15th, and you know, it just looks like maybe another season is going to be canceled. Yeah, that's sad. And talking about, you know, Mendota sports and basketball being canceled, the first person that I thought about when all of this was starting and happening and continued from last year moving on to this school year, Amelia Bromenschinkel, right there to, you know, put herself number one in girls' hoops at Mendota, all-time scoring list, and she graduated early and is now playing college ball because she wasn't going to be able to play, or at least she didn't think so. She had to make a tough decision. Would she stay in high school and, and you know, hope that the, uh, the girls' basketball season begins? Or would she be able to go to Purdue, Fort Wayne early and begin her college career? And she's made the right decision. And I know she's already been playing for Purdue, Fort Wayne. I believe January 1st or 2nd was her first game. So she is already a college basketball player. And that is great for her. I feel bad for her that she didn't get her senior season. There's no doubt that she would have been by far the all-time leading scorer at Mendota High School. But this is a chance for her to begin uh, what is hopefully going to be a very successful college career. That is going to be the weirdest asterisk on the what if kind of deal we always say what if what could have happened you know stuff like that this is going to be one with a giant asterisk for sure uh speaking of you know amelia broman and athletics you've been there for 37 years i know you have a lot of moments a lot of athletes that you remember what are some that pop up that when people ask you about your career that you're like those are the first stories that you go to I got to look at the 1986-1987 the uh, boys basketball season. That that was really the, the start of, since I've been here, the start of greatness for me to witness in Mendota High School sports. And that would have been the first Sweet 16 appearance in school history. And, you know, a very familiar name off of that squad would be Mark Cooper. You know, Mark Cooper is the boys basketball coach at Iowa High School. And, you know, everyone knows him, and he was a senior on that team, helped lead that team to the Sweet 16. You know, that was the first appearance in the Sweet 16 for an Adota school, and glad I got to witness that. And then, you know, a 
about six months later, the football team made its uh, way all the way to the semifinals in Class 3A, where they met up with a very uh, potent Bishop McNamara team over in Kankakee. Came up short. I believe the score was 45 to 28. In most people's minds, uh, that right there was the Class 3A championship game. Uh, unfortunately, you know, those two teams had to meet in the semifinals instead of the finals. I know Bishop Mack went on to beat uh, Rockridge pretty soundly in the Class 3A state championship game. But uh, I'll never forget talking to Rich Danini. I believe he's still the coach at Bishop Mack today. And he was saying that Mendota was the best team that they played that season, best offensively uh, that they ran into that season. Mendota finished 10-3 and that year, I believe. They're the team that has advanced the furthest in the state playoffs since the state playoff system began. Right there in 1987, those are two you know, highlights um, from boys basketball and, and football. And of course, there's tons of other, you know, between now then and now, uh, highlights of, of great teams and individuals that have gone through the Mendota High School. I believe 1995 and 96, was the greatest year for the boys sports program at Mendota High School. Kind of an oddity, the, the football team, the basketball team, and the baseball team all lost their final game of the season to the eventual state champion. In football, the, the Trojans lost to Hall in the playoffs after beating Hall in the regular season, handing them their only loss of that season, and then Hall went on to win the state championship. And then in basketball, Trojans advanced the Elite Eight, and that's when they moved the tournament to Peoria for the first time after being in Champaign for so many years. And Mendota had to go up against Shelbyville in the quarterfinals, and many believe that that was the state championship there. <laughs> it was just unfortunate that Mendota had to draw Shelbyville in the first round. And then, of course, Shelbyville went on to win the state title. And then when we get to the baseball season, Mendota did reach the state championship game, and they lost to uh, Dupo uh, in the t state title game, 14 to 10. So, 1995-96 for boys sports, uh, that was a pretty incredible year. And then you add some Mike Kilmartin coach basketball teams, some Phil Bodine coach baseball teams, Dean Lubbs, throw him in there, which he was part of the some of those teams that you were talking about. Yeah, there's a storied history of Mendota sports here, that's for sure. But I don't want to slight the girls. I mean, 1992 volleyball team, they played the, in the state championship against a powerhouse, Wheaton St. Francis. You know, they lost to them, but Mendota finished second in the state in 1992. And... Uh, in fact, between 1987 and 1993, the Spikers uh, brought home four state trophies. So, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, the Spiker volleyball team was known all around the state. I mean, they were a state powerhouse back then. When you talked about Mike Kim Martin, you know, he took, uh, you know, several teams to Sweet 16 and, and, and several to the Elite Eight. 1988-89 team made it to the Elite Eight. That was the first uh, time that a Mendota team ever advanced to the state tournament. 1992-93, they advanced to the Elite Eight. And then, of course, the 95-96 team, which um, finished with a 28-2 record and, and lost to Shelbyville. And then uh, Keller went on to coach girls basketball. They had back-to-back -back state tournament appearances. 1997-98, uh, Randy Weibel was at the helm. 
and he led them to the Elite Eight. And then the year after that, Mike Martin was in the head coaching position, and they came home with the fourth place trophy in 1999. Keller made it to state with two different teams there, boys and girls, which is quite an accomplishment. Definitely. Mike Martin, legendary coach. I covered him a lot at St. Bede. When I was in Mendota as a high school kid, he was the superintendent. No, not the superintendent, the athletic director. Yes, that's correct. The football team had a lot uh, had a lot of success, you know, after the 1987 season. You know, like I said, in 1995, they beat Hull in the regular season, giving Hull its only loss. And then from 2004 to 2014, Mendota made it to the playoffs eight times, which is, which is a very incredible feat. In 2008, they were bumped from the playoffs by perennial power, Addison Driscoll. Everyone knows that name in football lore, high school football lore in, in Illinois. And Mendota lost to them 14-7. to Mendota was stopped at the goal line late in the game. Would have tied the, tied the game with an extra point or maybe could have taken the lead with a two-point conversion. And then in 2009... Unbelievable. They went over to Morris, another perennial power. We've all known about the Morris Redskins in, in high school football history. And Mendota beat them 35 to nothing in the second round of the playoffs in 2009. And then the following week, they had to play yet another powerhouse, Geneseo. And they um, were, were beaten by the Maple Leafs 17 to 9 in that game, but played them tough. What a run the Trojan football team had from 2004 to 14 under uh, John McKenzie. Actually, 2014 would have been Brock Sangro's uh, first year as the head coach. They made the playoffs then in his first year. Is that when they went to Cole City and lost there? Yes, they went to Cole City, and the Cole City had a dynamic running back. His name escapes me now, but uh, Cole City was a very strong football team that year, and and uh, uh, Mendota lost in the first round of the Colders, yes. I remember that cold game. I was there. Yes, that was very, very frigid. <laughs> Definitely. And they had like a heated kind of hospitality room, but kind of just like a tent at the end of the one of the end zones. And I kind of wanted to live in there, but, you know, I would have missed the game. <laughs> well, I missed out on that hospitality room. I didn't know that was there. So I think I went back to my car at halftime and tried to warm up. Yeah, you had to. It was freezing out there. Yes, it was. Going over all these memories and the time that you've been at the Mendota Reporter, kind of full circle here, talking to Kevin Hieronymus and then put the podcast on social media and people were saying, hey, Kip needs to get in here too. What do you think about that? Did you ever think through your career like, hey, I'm Hall of Fame worthy or you know, you should be <laughs> in that spot? No, not at all. No, as far as the uh, Hall of Fame, that's something that I never crossed my mind that it would be something for me to be a Hall of Fame. You know, it's the IBCA. I know that maybe football has a Hall of Fame also, but uh, this would be basketball. But Kevin is definitely a deserving member to be to be inducted this year. You know, he's, he's been at it for 35 years, and like I said, he's... Uh, won awards and does his craft very well. I'm happy for him. Well-deserved honor for a, a great guy. Well, you're a great guy, too. I could see you in there. <laughs> well, 
Ray gets you in there. But and, and like Brandon, I'm not even sure how you. What you I guess someone has to nominate you. I, I'm not even sure of the criteria. To be honest with you. So, and, and I told Kevin I, when I got that email with the list of the people that are on, of course I pour over to see if there's anyone locally, you know, that, that made it, um, and you know, would would do a story on that. And I saw Kevin, and I was uh, very thrilled. And I immediately texted him or emailed him and congratulated him. That that you know, I know he's got a few more years as a sports writer uh, before he wants to hang him up, but. I had told him that I, I was definitely going to look into nominating or whatever you have to do to get him in there because he's one of those sports writers that deserves uh, the recognition. I just think it would be a perfect story, like almost a Hollywood movie type story for you two who grew up together from the first grade, went to college together. You were roommates in college, right? We were roommates for the first two years in college, yes. Walker Hall, Illinois State University. Absolutely. And then you guys go to newspapers in the 80s, 30 minutes from each other, have crossed paths many times, and you both would get into a Hall of Fame. I mean, that sounds like a movie. Well, you know, you know if Hollywood wants to do that, uh, we'd be open to it. I'm not sure who would play me, you know, Tom Cruise or somebody, you know, somebody good looking, I would hope. <laughs> joking, joking there, Dwayne. Joking. <laughs> well, you don't have to joke. I mean, I think that's how it should be too. Get a Brad Pitt, something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I had to ask you. I mean, the Hall of Fame seems, you know, even to me, like as a as a sports writer, been doing it quite a while. I think I'm like 15 years or something like that. Bounced around all over the place, but. Just something you don't really think of, but then you see your friend and other people in the area, and you're like, maybe? Eh, who knows? Well, uh, like I said, I guess I was a little surprised to see Kevin this year. You know, I wasn't thinking about it, but I, I was, that he would be in this year, I was definitely thinking that he was deserving and would get in the Hall of Fame at some point. And like I said, I was going to, I told him by text, I said, I'm going to do whatever, contact whoever, had to be contacted uh, in a couple years to put your name on the list and, you know, get you in there. And, and like I said, I don't know all the criteria. I don't know uh, if someone nominates you, then you're automatically in or somebody votes or uh, maybe you know more about it than I do. Yeah, you have to get voted in and there is a little criteria and I have to look at the list too. I do know you got to be voted in from somebody or nominated, we'll say. Right. I think we did a good breakdown of all that stuff. Anything else you want to talk about before we get into this game? I don't think so, Brandon. I mean, it's uh, you know, pleasure to talk to you. It's a, a pleasure to have met you. Uh, however many years ago we did, and ironically, you just work about uh, you know, maybe a hundred feet from where I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see you often, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we do. We cross paths uh, sometimes. Uh, you know, and even though we're not, you know. In the sports arenas for, uh, at the moment, but you at the First State Bank and me right around the corner definitely run into each other. Definitely. Hopefully, again, we will be running into each other at sports arenas pretty soon. Hopefully. Hopefully. I keep thinking every day, like, when does this get to happen? Keep your fingers crossed, because if we do, that means maybe we're, we've got this virus thing behind us. And, and that's what we all are, are hoping for, to get back to, to our lives again. 
laughingly. And when you say lives and you're talking about Kip Cheek covering sports, I always think of you at a football game wearing shorts in, like, November or December. Well, you know, it has to be a certain degree before I, you know, put on the long pants. You know, I, I'm going to say anything below 50. These days, I'll probably wear uh, pants. You know, I'm a little less tolerant of the cold as I get a little older. You know, when I was younger, you know, the, the cold didn't bother my legs. But, uh, you know, 50 and above, you know, we might go with the shorts. But uh, anything, you know, below that, I, I'm definitely going with the pants these days. All right, we got to play a game. Every guest on Edge of Your Seat podcast, try to switch things up. And through your career, I mean, you've been a lot of places covering a lot of games, whether it's football fields, basketball arenas, baseball. You know, there's a lot of storied stadiums, arenas, gymnasiums here in Illinois Valley. What are, you know, some of your favorites? You got to look at uh, Kingman Gym, you know, in Ottawa. It's an old place, but it's got a lot of charm, uh, old school charm. Got some bleachers in the end zone, I believe. I'm not sure if they still do, but they used to. And you don't see a lot of that anymore with uh, bleachers in the end zones of uh, the basketball stadiums. LP's gym is, is uh, you know, quite spacious and, and historic. And Sterling, you know, Sterling is a, a, like a field house. I mean, it, it's more of a college-looking atmosphere as far as uh, seating. Just from the outside, it looks very impressive. You know, I like the old Mendota gym, and the new gym is uh, obviously better than the one at the old high school, and I would say, uh, you know, I'm partial to that because that would be you know my home gym those are some that come to mind i actually used to like the old hall gymnasium before they they built the new school and, and the new gymnasium at hall is very impressive too but uh the old hall gymnasium was um one of my favorites too the old mendota basketball court played on it there were so many dead spots if you were playing against somebody you knew where to dribble the ball and where not to and the hall one that you're talking about was probably the hottest gym i have ever been in or tied with saint bead's gym because they don't have air in there but the two yeah. hottest gyms i've ever been in yeah yeah the, the, I, I can remember that yeah you're sweating after you get done with those sweating like you're playing you know after you get done watching the game there and, you know, if you want to go to some football stadiums, you know, Mendota's football stadium now is, is second to none. I mean, I know Sterling has the uh, turf. Uh, I've been by it. I've never been in it. Um, and I've actually never been in LP football field. You know, I've been by it numerous times, and I've never covered a game there. So, But, you know, that's got the college feel to it also. Since Mendota's uh, put in this new stadium out here at the high school, you know, you hear from other people talking from from towns that are coming into play Mendota how, how impressed they are with that facility. And, you know, it's definitely first rate. Got to be my favorite, you know, at this juncture. Yeah, it's mine too. It is absolutely amazing. And the first football game that I got to cover in Mendota when I came back from college was at that stadium. And it, I was really happy with it. I was like, they did a really good job. Yeah, it's nice that you don't have to, you know, if it's raining a little bit or, you know, obviously it gets colder in the fall, um, you don't have to deal with, uh, you know, the 
coldness on, you know, under your feet, uh, you know, and you got the soft cushion of the turf, and you know, you, like I said, you know, you're not gonna walk through mud puddles and try to jump over mud puddles and and so forth and so on. So it's definitely number one in my book. For sure. I do love Howard Fellows, the LaSalle Peru football stadium. It is definitely a college football place. Like if there was college football there, I would not be surprised because that's what it looks like. And Sterling is exactly the same way. Like I said, I've never been inside it, but I've been by it numerous times and I've never been in there to cover a game and Joe has never played there. Um, so I would never need to go there to cover anything, but definitely the college looking atmosphere. Well, Kip Cheek, it is always a pleasure to speak with you. Like we've said, we see each other quite often, but don't get to you know sit down and chat, tell some sports stories. So thanks for coming on Edge of Your Seat Podcast to do so. You're welcome, Brandon. And like we said before, hope we can talk again in person at a sporting event real soon.